0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos?
0: So let's rock
2: When my time on Earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my
3: <laughs> I mean that's a classic isn't it? It just seemed like yesterday it was last week that we were celebrating Bob Knight's 83rd birthday I believe uh, October 25th with his 81st, uh, 83rd birthday Robert Montgomery Knight rest in peace passing away yesterday at the age of 83
4: three national championships five final fours an Olympic gold medal in 1984, that stacked Olympic team that had young Michael Jordan on it. Did he,
3: did he, win a, uh, when he was a player for Ohio state, I think they won a national championship. Didn't they? They did. I don't know how much of a part of those, those teams he was, but if you go back, I think he's a, he's a a, a,
4: a winner of a college basketball winner as well. And although he's not, born in indiana he's not a native hoosier man i think a case could be made that he's the most famous hoosier right wasn't born here but for a long time if someone says the state of indiana what's the first person that comes to your mind i think for a long time a stretch of maybe 30 years the answer was bob knight in terms of sports or just in general in general interesting in general I mean, Bob Knight was an institution. I heard Rob Kendall say earlier today, Bob Knight was bigger than the program. Mm. And a lot of people might not like to hear that, but there may be some truth in that. So, Nigel, let me ask you this. Why do you think Bob Knight resonated with so many people here in Indiana?
3: I don't know. I loved I loved the way he coached. I loved the fact that he was a red ass. I loved the fact that he didn't take crap from the refs. I loved the fact that he uh, um, emphasized education and players going to class and the fundamentals. Right. That's that's what I loved about Bob Knight. I'll never forget being, you know, 10 years old watching the 87 championship of my old man and uh, Keith Smart draining that uh, draining that um, Last-second shot, and the thing that caught me—I went back and watched that today. Is Bob Knight was mostly calm during the end of that game because they didn't—I forget—they didn't let the seconds run off the clock right away or something like that. But right, but I'll never forget cheering in my old man's bedroom. He let me stay up and watch the game,
4: and it's a different era. I don't know if you could coach basketball the Bob Knight style today with these kids of today, with the NIL money and the shoe deals and you know everybody being offended by everything. But if you listen to a lot of these former players, and we're going to have you know, a number of them come forward in the next 24 to 36, 36 hours that haven't already, you're going to hear a common thread, toughness and accountability. Bob Knight wanted these kids to be tough, and he wanted these kids to turn into men. And that's what he did for about 90, 95% of the players that went through there. Now, he wasn't for everybody. There were transfers. There were people that did not like Bob Knight. No, And he certainly didn't do everything right. Bob Knight, shocking hot take here, was not a perfect person. Made a lot of mistakes. But deep down in his core, I really do think he cared about the kids that were on that team, he wanted them to become productive members of society.
3: And his resume, again, like you said at the top of the this segment, is just amazing. I mean, a top five wins in all of uh, coaching history, and he did win a championship with Ohio State as a player? Are you kidding me? Three national championships? We're, like, as far in terms of you and I being sports fans um, and Indiana sports fans, just in general, Pacers, Colts, IU, Purdue, um I think you and I are, are lucky to have been part of some of these when I say part, just fans, been able to soak it in because some people will see their favorite teams never win any. I mean you're a Cubs fan, you experienced right. it. I didn't <laughs> think I'd ever see a Cubs
4: World Series. Right. My grandfather never did. And he was the one that got me, you know, into watching the Chicago Cubs. Never got to see a championship. There are fans, you know, of the Cleveland Browns cleveland oh, indians dear lord that have been alive for a long time and they've never seen a championship you know if you're an iu fan depending on your age yeah you've seen three
3: you got three banners multiple final fours
4: sure. right five total championships for the hoosiers bob knight responsible for three the undefeated perfect season in 76 sports illustrated naming that team the overall top team in the history of march madness the 76 hoosiers um but we've seen a colts super bowl Absolutely. in this city yeah. if you're a notre dame football fan again depending on your age you've seen at least one championship the latest being an 88
3: pacers i mean finals See the Pacers go to the finals.
4: A lot of ABA championships, (laughs) but nothing in the NBA yet. Need to get the Pacers across that finish line. A lot of
3: AFC finalists uh, (laughs) flags hanging in Lucas Oil.
4: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. some embarrassing banners (laughs) hanging up. But uh, if you're an Indiana basketball fan, you remember Bob Knight. You remember success. And to go back to the question of why do you think he resonated with so many people, I think this soundbite, you know, this sounds like somebody that would resonate with blue-collar, everyday working Hoosiers.
2: You can talk about all the motivational speeches and phrases and devices in the world, but the greatest motivator of all is your ass on the bench. There is no better motivator. Ass meets bench. Bench retains ass. (laughs) ass transmits signal to brain brain transmits signal to body body gets ass off bench and plays better I mean it's a hell of a sequence of things that takes place that,
3: that makes sense now because he rode the pine for Ohio State He, especially those for that first year when Havlicek and Jerry Lucas were on the team he rode the pine, he rode the bench that brings it full circle, that's a really interesting clip I've never heard that one before
4: So when you think of memorable moments with Bob Knight, you could talk about the 76 undefeated team. You could talk about the Keith Smart game-winning shot in 1987. But is this next piece of sound the signature moment for Coach Knight's time at Indiana?
5: Two-shot technical against the bench and against Bob Knight. Steve Reed, an excellent free-throw shooter, will have the honor of shooting the technicals. Look at here. Look at here.
1: Look at here. Bobby Knight just threw his chair. Clear across the free-throw lane. And I think uh, Fred Jones... And Bob Knight is gone. <laughs> so, so what are you
3: asking? If that's his signature moment yes. as a coach, I would probably think that he would think, like, you know, winning a championship. Well, that's what he would think, but
4: if we did a family feud style survey and I walked out of Monument Circle and talked to 100 random people and said, what's your most memorable Bob Knight moment? I'm willing to bet that that chair toss was number one. If you're doing a family feud style survey. um, This was Bob Knight talking about the incident that ultimately led
2: to his dismissal at Indiana. Some kid came up to me and said, Hey, Knight, what's going on? That kid made a dumb mistake. <laughs> you know, I went over to that kid and I did a lot more for the son of a bitch than his parents ever did for him. <laughs> and I went over there and I said, Son, let me tell you something. You don't address adults like that under any circumstances. And that's why I have no use for Indiana University because. They used that as a reason to get me out of there. And that's absolute bullshit.
3: You know, I'm glad he finally came around and put the grudge behind him. And, you know, he made an appearance at Assembly Hall a few years ago. Pretty emotional one.
4: Yeah, it was pretty nasty there for a a, while. Real nasty. He was wishing death upon people on public, (laughs) you know, nationally syndicated radio shows. I think he went on with Dan Patrick and Dan Patrick was like, you know, And a lot of those people are gone some of them are dead why don't you go back and i think bob knight said i wish they were all dead (laughs) so bob knight passing away at the age of 83 and throughout the evening afternoon we'll have more tributes coming in but you know we couldn't have a segment where we didn't play the infamous speech recorded in the locker room at least one time
2: i mean if you're not recover Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by you, if, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive
3: all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving and you freaking guys will run until you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and freaking tired of an 8-10 record. I'm fucking tired of losing to Purdue. I'm not here to around this week. Now, you may be, but I'm not. Now I am not here to get my
2: ass beat on (laughs) Monday. Now you better get your head out of your ass.
4: That's actually how our boss David Wood talks to Nigel and I before every show. Uh, Sick and tired of getting beat by Hank. Sick and tired of losing to B105. I'm not here to mess around this week.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: You're listening to The Hammer and
3: Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Uh, The Associated Press... Got their hands on this letter, a little letter sent to President Biden by the mayors of sanctuary cities in L.A., New York City, Chicago, and Denver, requesting five billion. Oh, five bit—that's with the B hammer. Five billion dollars instead of 1.4 billion to help with the what they're calling a migrant crisis, because quotes our city budgets and local taxpayers bear the brunt. Of the crisis. Okay, I'm going to raise
4: my hand. Yes. I have a question. Who decided that these cities were going to be sanctuary? Oh, those were the mayors of those cities. Oh, so you're telling me that the same mayors who were virtue signaling a couple of years ago saying, we're a sanctuary city. You're welcome here. The big scary orange man hates you. We love you here. We're not turning you into ice. And now... They're turning you in and turning you away (laughs) and telling the government, we need billions of dollars to help take care of these people. That's what's going on here. Almost feels like they didn't think this through. Like they didn't think the migrants, the illegals crossing the border would call their bluff. But there they are. Now, if you take a trip down memory lane, it seems like only yesterday. That all the members of the Biden administration, whether it's Joe, whether it's the border czar Kamala, whether it's Mayorkas or oh, 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 all of them were saying borders fine. There's no invasion. Border secure. Nothing to worry about. It's way down now. We've now gotten control.
1: Uh, precisely that the border is closed. Nor could I have been clearer and continued to be so. Which is the border is closed.
0: The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border.
1: The border, um, we are working to make the border more secure. You're confident this border is secure?
0: We have (laughs) a secure border Uh in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. We agree that uh, the border is secure.
4: No, we don't. No, 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 nope, no, nope, no, nope, not even close. Million? And now the quote sanctuary cities are asking for <laughs> five, five billion. billion dollars to help the situation. I believe it was Bruce Willis and Die Hard, or maybe it was Joe Biden that said, "And I quote: Welcome to the party, Bal. <laughs> You're going for a problem." Uh, yeah,
3: I, I think. I mean, millions. It's the numbers in the millions, high millions, uh, since Joe Biden has taken office, and s- several hundred in the high hundreds of uh, military age men caught on the terror watch list. Who knows how many more have gotten through? Not to mention the other one, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of gotaways—the the ones that aren't on paper, the ones that didn't use the app—that we don't know who they are, where they are, what their
4: intentions are. My favorite part of the whole situation is that now the state of New York and specifically New York City, they're offering one way tickets like airfare, one way tickets to get all the migrants yeah. out of the city. When it wasn't that long ago, they were claiming that when Governor Abbott was doing that with buses, it was human trafficking.
3: Right. Right. Now they're, they're saying, hey, where do you want to go? You name the place. We'll write the ticket.
4: (laughs) Is uh, Gavin Newsom still investigating the human trafficking that Ron DeSantis was doing in Florida (laughs) when he put them all on a bus and sent them to Martha's Vineyard in New York and various other places? Haven't heard a whole lot about that lately. No. Um, RFK Jr. getting more donations from Donald Trump voters than Joe Biden voters, according to a story in Politico. And this is something we kind of knew would happen. Once RFK Jr. decided he was going to stay in the race as a third party, as an independent, basically, this was going to hurt Donald Trump more than Joe Biden. And Politico, they analyzed the campaign finance records for Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and RFK Jr. And they found that Kennedy is attracting not just voters who didn't want to support either one of these candidates, but a lot of voters who were in on Donald Trump yeah. even this election cycle. Interesting. So you were you're, you
3: you you've been consistent. I I've been a little I don't know. You've been consistent in saying that RFK Jr is going to siphon votes away from from uh donald trump yes right because we know that the democrats from polling don't don't want joe biden to run again but there's no way that those same democrats would ever vote for donald trump correct now they have a third party now they have somebody they can feel good about even with the uh, reparations even with the crazy climate change stuff
4: correct Uh, the way that i feel about the mayor's race in indianapolis (laughs) there's a lot of people that feel that way about the national Presidential race. And some of these people were, I think, originally just going to say, screw it. I'm going to hold my nose. I'm going to vote for Trump. I hate the guy, but Joe Biden can't even walk. You know, this guy, you know, he's a total zero. The economy was better with the orange man. I hate him. I hate what I'm about to do, but I'm going to pull the trigger. Well, now they've got another option. So a lot of these people who were going to begrudgingly vote for Trump because Biden was such a zero, they can sleep easy at night knowing neither one of those people got their vote. And again, it's kind of where I'm at with this mayor's race here in Indy. Um, We've got an interesting story from Florida that I believe falls into the category of legal stuff. Oh, boy, okay. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. This is from the ABC affiliate in Florida. Police in Florida are warning residents about a truck made to look like a border patrol vehicle. And everything looks just like a border patrol vehicle. There's lights, you know, there's the big tires, there's a decal on the side. But instead of saying border patrol, it says booty patrol. (laughs) Okay. The uh, city has cited the owner of said vehicle for illegal red and blue lights, but he denies trying to pull anyone over.
3: You can't have the the lights on your car. That's that's illegal to have...
4: Pull over, booty patrol. Booty patrol, pull over. (laughs) I mean, that's like having the FBI shirt that says female body inspector, right? You can't (laughs) fall for that. Amateur gynecologist. You just can't (laughs) fall for that.
3: Would you rather drive? Um, Have you seen Kill Bill? seen the movie kill
4: bill Qu- i have not Qu- quentin tarantino i don't like tarantino
3: um one of the characters drives around a uh, oh, i can't even say it drives around a truck called the p-wagon
4: <laughs> okay.
3: okay and i uh, would you rather drive around that or the booty patrol
4: does the wagon in question have lights
3: <laughs> it does it it does not have lights they
4: give me the booty patrol okay. i All want right. the lights it's the hammer and nigel show My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the WIBC Hotline. One of the greatest to ever play at Indiana University, an All-American, and currently the Director of Player Development, Calbert Chaney, joins us. Calbert, thank you so much for taking the time. And we'll start with the million-dollar question. What is your best memory of Bob Knight?
5: I think I'll probably say the best moment uh, uh, is when uh, when I ended up getting the the all-time scoring record against uh, Northwestern. Uh, I think when uh, coaches, you know, all about team, and we've all, you know, I've always been about team, and Indiana's always been about team, and 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 when he. Uh, uh, I told everybody to stop the game. Wanted everybody to stop the game and give me the game ball in the middle of the game was a was a was a tribute. Uh, I was I was very surprised because uh, we've always had the moniker of being you know everything we do we do as a team and uh, there's no individual accolades. And can, even if you do get individual accolades um uh you know we don't we don't really concern ourselves with that but when he uh, stopped the game and, and had uh uh at me the game ball uh it just a tribute to him and and what he and it had he had me understand what what he thought of me as a person and as a player so uh that that really touched me and uh I was really appreciative of that
3: Calbert do you remember the very first time you ever spoke to or came in contact with coach Knight?
5: Yeah, uh, it was uh, actually it happened when uh, when I came on on a recruiting trip. I came to watch uh, watch them play. I think it was Purdue, and uh, they were they uh, and uh, coach went on one of on his, one of his little tangents, uh, <laughs> and and you know and I think. We were in the locker room, and I think he ended up knocking over one of the the water coolers. And you uh, know, I was like, "Man!" <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we went in to talk to coach, and like I said, it was like it was like it, when I went in to talk to him, it was like it never happened. But when uh, <laughs> we, we came up on the trip, uh, you know, he just told me to go on and do my thing, and he just wanted to talk to my mom. And uh, my mom, you know, was, a, was a, I think she was the final nail in the coffin in terms of uh, you know, me want to come here when she said she had a you know, got the chance to talk. And everything, uh, you know, she said this is where she wanted me to go, and and uh, you know, and, then I, and at the end of the day, this is where I wanted to, wanted to be as well. So, uh, yeah. But it was, when I when I saw him, you know, him on one of his tangents, it, I was like, man, I don't <laughs> am I know, the right, am I am I, I going to be doing the right thing here? <laughs>
4: I mean, what's it like being recruited by Bob Knight? Like when he sits down and speaks with you, and you mentioned your mother. Uh, what are the things that he brought up?
5: Um, he just brought up you know the thing about team and how I'm you know playing as a team and being able to to uh, he talking about how he can make me a better player and teach me teach me and help me to understand how to play the game and uh, you know I remember when. Uh, uh, my junior year, I think he came to see me play, and I stunk up the gym. And actually, I don't think he uh, at that time, from what I understand, he didn't, you know, he didn't want to, anything to do with me. Oh wow! Because I because I, I didn't play particularly well. But then I had a really good AAU summer that next year. And uh, you know Ron Felling, he was assistant coach at the time. He was the guy that was recruiting me. You know, said, hey, you know, you know, Calvert has the, opp- you know, I'll tell you what, let me tell you something. Calvert has the opportunity to, to be pretty darn good. Uh, and at that, time, I think that that year we had uh, the best recruiting class in the nation. And uh, and I was, I think I was the last guy to sign. So, hmm. uh, you know, I ended up, you know, and the coach was like, okay, I, you know, I trust you, Ron. So uh, they ended up, you know, offering me a scholarship. And you know, after that, the, the rest is history. Uh,
3: we're speaking with one of the uh, greatest uh, basketball players to come out of IU. Calber Cheney here on Hammer Nigel Show reflecting on the passing of Coach Bob Knight. Was Bob Knight, uh, I mean we all know uh, he's famous for, as you know, quote tangents, we, we, we all know his fiery personality, um, but w- w- did he have a sense of humor? I mean I feel like there was a, com- a camaraderie with that team you know that th- there was that controversial picture that made its rounds with you and him and kind of in a joking manner. Was he, did he ever joke around or was it always all
5: business, all uh, series. Oh, no, no, no. He, he joked around a lot. I mean, he, he was, you know, he, he, he joked around a lot. I mean, you know, a great thing about what people don't understand about coaches is that, you know, everybody talks about the physical part of it, you know, he plunged you to death. No, none of that stuff. You know, he, he was more of a mental guy. He wanted you to be prepared. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, preparation for a team, preparation on one on, on to compete at a high level. Uh, but also, but he, he would also, under, he also understood that, um, you know, when we needed time off, you know, there'd be sometimes when we'd come to practice, and again, he would he would ask us, me, Chris, and you know, those guys, hey, you think we should practice today? And we said, no, I don't think we should practice today. We should just get some shots. And, you know, and so he was just like, he's just like one of those guys. And uh, if we did what he asked us to do and we knew the concepts and everything, he, would, he wouldn't say a word. But then, if you weren't competing at the level he wanted you to compete at, then he's gonna let you know about it. So, uh, and another thing about him, you know, he didn't play favorites. You know, he, he you know, he, he treated everybody the same. You know, if you weren't playing well, he's gonna let you know it. Uh, from, from, you know, one, to, one to twelve, one to fifteen, he didn't care.
4: What advice did you give to like, younger players that were coming into the Indiana program? You know, like when the freshmen would come in, and I'm sure they would turn to you and say, What can we expect from Bob Knight? You know, we see the videos, you know, we've heard the rants and all this kind of stuff. What advice did you give to younger players coming into the program?
5: Do what he asks you to do. Um, that's it. You know, do a, a you know a learned system. Uh, be all about team. You got to be highly competitive, and you, you got to be highly uh, cerebral. And uh, in, in what he and t- what he teaches you, uh, he's a, he's one of the best teachers I've ever been around in terms of coaching. Teaching you concepts on how to play, and then uh, he holds you to that standard. And uh, you, if you don't, if, if you don't, if you're not, you don't, you do hold yourself to that standard. Or, and he sees that you're not holding yourself to that standard. He's gonna let, he's gonna let you know about it. So, uh, all I just tell him, all I would say is just you know, like I said, you have to be mentally mentally strong. Obviously, you're gonna be physically prepared, but mentally prepared is, is the most important thing.
3: You talk about being mentally strong, and I'm just wondering, you know, the outside a, a lot of hubris from Bob Knight. He looked impervious to criticism. I'm wondering if you ever saw maybe behind the scenes. Him, did it ever get to him a little bit? Some of the the criticisms um, behind the scenes. Of course, he would never well, uh, let it uh, show uh, on uh, the I mean, outside.
5: Yeah, I never really saw that. that yeah. much especially the player. I mean, we you know he tried to keep that. You yeah. know, he tried to keep all that separate. You know, he he always, when he you know got on the floor and down between the lines, he was all about our team. And you know, so whatever. It's just like when we you know when we do our jobs. You know, we don't let our we don't let the outside stuff or whatever happens on the outside affect our jobs. You know, because you know if we do that, then we let that consume us, and you know it affects it affects our our work or our performance. So uh, he would never he would never let us know that. You know, he would still come in and do his job and, and do it well.
4: Calbert Cheney is our guest here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Calvert, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Uh, yes, there's all the personality stuff. There's the controversies. Fine. But Bob Knight was one of the greatest basketball minds I think this country has ever seen. What did you learn about the game of basketball from Coach Knight?
5: Um, just the simple fact that i mean i I keep going back to this. this is just preparation uh the man is is always prepared it it, it would get to the point to where if we were scouting team, if he was ever scouting the team we were, we were ready to play purdue and we knew what we knew what Purdue was going to run every freaking time they came down the floor uh because we were that prepared or or like when it came offensively, you know we had concepts to our motion offense and you know and and, and you know, if, if if the big if the big was high, it's going to be a down screen. If the big was low, it's going to be a back screen or a flare. Uh, you know, if you know if, it's, uh, if you post up, you know you cut through. Uh, so he, he, I think he was ahead of his time in terms of teaching the concepts of playing the games on both on both on both ends of the floor. And that was, uh, I think, he was ahead of his time. And, I, and that's why I think he's one of the, you know the, the most the smartest coaches I've ever been around.
3: When's the um, when's the last time you talked to Coach Knight? I mean, did you have a relationship with him after your collegiate career oh, yeah. as he was well, entered into
5: the NBA? Yeah, when we he, he started, yeah, I, you know, I would come back during the summer times and we would we would hang out a little bit. But you know, last uh, last time I saw him was about three weeks ago. Oh. Uh, I went to his house and hung out with him a couple for for a couple of hours with him and Pat and Karen. So uh, so it was good to see him. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, like I said. Coaches, like I said, he he's one of those guys that he's going to be hard on you. He's going to push you. He's gonna he's going to try to get the best out of you. But at the end of the day, when you're done playing for him, he'll do anything for you, and that's what I love about him.
4: Did you ever give Coach crap? Calbert, did you ever mouth off back to coach, and you know, have one of those moments like you know, teenage kids, kids in their early twenties have been known to have, and just have a well, moment yeah, well, where yeah, you clap
5: we had, back? Well, yeah, we, yeah, I clap back a couple of times when I was here, uh, but you know, but at the end of the day, if you know, if you have his respect, you know, he'll, he, 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 we might clap back at one another, but at the end of the day, it's all, you know, we, we're all on the same team, and uh, but yeah, he, he, yeah, I clap back a couple of times, and you know, <laughs> and you know, but 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 some but that's that's part of the, the competitive part he wants you to be competitive like that so and that's that's what i really enjoy
4: i just still in my mind i see you with that towel just kind of smacking the backside of coach knight during one of those games yeah. and he was just cool with it man he got to just sit there with that stoic look on his face
5: <laughs> yeah yeah i think that was something to set because you know we had that little issue with the uh during the shoot around uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with, the, with the with the you know the whip incident but um you know and he i think he understood and that was that was part of coach i mean he he understood that he that it was it was the wrong thing to do and that's why he we kind of set that up when we were when we felt we had the game in hand against ucla and uh that's why and i was like okay i, gonna, I, no I, said, I said i ain't gonna i ain't got no problem with this i'm gonna swing as hard as i can <laughs> Love it. that's what it left for the last three years calbert Chaney, <laughs> director of player
4: development at indiana basketball calbert thank you so much for taking the time to join us here and uh, talk about the legacy of coach knight
5: All right. No no problem, guys. Take care. Have a good day.
4: It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: Right now, we'll go to New Jersey, though chicks at a high school in new jersey were left shocked when they discovered the dudes were circulating fake nudes of them this according to the wall street journal they were using a i
4: so this is a problem because the rise of a i starting to get a lot of you know lawmakers attention but as of right now there are no laws at a national level against deep fake pornography creation. Only a few states at the state level, New York, Minnesota, and California, have laws prohibiting the distribution yeah. of deep fake pornography. Well,
3: I, if somebody ever did that to my daughter, get the bail money ready. Because I would seek them out, put my hands around their neck, and squeeze. That would enrage me if I was a dad. But, I, like, okay, so this is AI technology that is doing this, but haven't we had Photoshop forever? is it this just another version of Photoshop that's been around for a long time?
4: Looks a little bit more authentic, okay. though. Yeah, Like, I, you know, you could tell good Photoshop from yes. bad Photoshop. Some of this AI stuff, man. You can't tell. Right. It looks amazing. Uh, so, unfortunately, these young ladies, they had, you know, photos of themselves that were totally fake. They were not real nudes, but fake AI-generated nudes being sent out to their classmates. And they have no legal course because there's no law on the books in New Jersey where you can file a charge against deep fake pornography. You know,
3: when there's there's no recourse, that's when you take the law into your own hands, dads. Bingo. (laughs) Literally. Bingo. Scrawny neck. Squeeze it if that ever happened to me.
4: As bad as some things are with AI, there is an upside to artificial intelligence. Like when AI Biden joins our show, (laughs) like he did, I think this was on your birthday. Hey, Nigel,
5: what the hell do you think you're laughing at, pal? You better shut your mouth or you're going to end for a problem. You too, Hammer. How'd you like to step outside right now and run a few laps,
4: fat? (laughs) AI Joe Biden... (laughs) joining us on The Hammer and Nigel Show.
5: Oh, wow.
4: Do you ever get dragged to the theater by the missus? Nah. It's like Lindsay into plays and Broadway stuff.
3: No. No. Like comedians maybe sometimes. We went to a comic uh, late last year, Clues Hall. I forget who it was, though.
4: Well, this may have your attention. That's it. A Broadway musical based on the music of Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, cool. It's coming to Broadway. Beginning on Friday, March 29th, 2024, at the James Earl Jones Theater in Broadway, (laughs) previews begin for The Heart of Rock and Roll, Yes, a musical based on the music of Huey Lewis and the News. I will be down with that. It's described as like a rom-com, and it's perfect for those 30-something couples who are not quite sure what they want in life or those a little bit older who grew up say, listening to the music of huey lewis yeah 30 something
3: <laughs> i'm in my late 40s and and i, I was just a kid when huey lewis and the back to the future soundtrack came out
4: yeah like if you're going down the rabbit hole of huey lewis songs the power of love sure. the big hit from back to the future yeah. that's the number one hit right is that bigger than the heart of rock and roll um working for a living if this is it I mean, Huey Lewis is one of those dudes where you don't realize Mm -hmm. how many hits he has until you start rattling them off. Stuck with you. Stuck with you as a monster. That whole sports album was good. So in honor of this new Broadway play coming out, Nige, I got a little something for you here. Really? I know you like Huey Lewis. Sure. I know you like Metallica. Oh, yeah, yeah. So here's a little mashup of both.
1: And Nigel, Can you believe these characters are weirdos?
2: So, let's rock
5: it. so I pay tribute to Coach Knight in the
1: utmost way because Indiana basketball will always be Bob Knight.
3: That was current IU head coach and former player under Bob Knight, Mike Woodson there. Uh, more on the passing of the general. Coming up, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Some news you may have missed yesterday or that, that was pretty big. Well, I guess it's good for Senator Mike Braun. Donald Trump officially endorsing Mike Braun for
4: governor of Indiana in the uh, 2024 election. I mean, it's good, but also you kind of want to own the news cycle when something like that happens. Yeah, and it
3: got lost once the announcement of, of Coach Knight...
4: Right. So it was later in the afternoon that Donald Trump put out a post on Truth Social, quote, "I, I am proud to endorse Mike Braun when he ran for the Senate in 2018. And I'm proud to do so again. Mike Braun has my complete and total endorsement to be the next governor of the great state of Indiana, a state I love and won by large margins in 16 and 20. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, Mike Braun, working hard to support our law enforcement, secure our borders, and stop the woke fascist mob trying to destroy our country. That's part of a post on Truth Social that Donald Trump put out probably around 545-ish yesterday yesterday. And for about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, it had the news cycle. But then the news about Bob Knight's passing came out, and this story was lost. Do you think an endorsement from the former president is a big deal?
3: Yeah, that's that's certainly a big deal. Do people get
4: into endorsements, though, anymore? Like,
3: I mean, it certainly helped. I mean Donald Trump did have some success in the midterms. There were a couple of flounders, there were a couple of uh, stinkers there that, that didn't uh, get the win. But um, an endorsement from Donald Trump is is a huge thing and and it's it's bad for the rest of the field. There's a large Republican field going <laughs> going for that 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 GOP nomination. Right. Um we you know, we spoke to uh, Curtis Hill a couple of days ago when you were gone. And there's a couple other guys that are running. You also have the Democratic, uh, McCormick. Yes. Name McCormick. So, so th- this is a this is a big field coming into 2024 for this race.
4: There's going to be a lot of advertising between now and May when that primary is here in Indiana. And I know it's just now November, but with so many candidates, and some of these candidates, they're pretty well off financially. You know, Mike Braun does pretty well. Uh, Doden does pretty well. Uh, A lot of these guys, Chambers, does very well. So there's going to be some money dumped into this race uh, for governor here in Indiana. Now, speaking of Donald Trump, the former president also posted on Truth Social his thoughts about former IU head coach Bob Knight. Quote, the world just lost an incredible person, the great Bobby Knight He was not just an award-winning and record-breaking coach. He was loyal to his players, to his state, and to our country. Tough as nails, but a big heart. When he endorsed me, it was like the whole great world of Indiana opened up happy and wide. Our hearts and prayers are with his wonderful wife, Karen, and sons, Tim and Pat. Their father was a great man. Got to remember, back in 2016, Oh, yeah. Donald Trump, when he was trying to secure the nomination, he campaigned a lot in Indiana. Didn't do so much in 20 as he didn't really need to. But back in 16, Donald Trump was here all the time. And Bobby Knight, who in the past hasn't really spoken out too much in regards of politics, decided to endorse Donald Trump. They did campaign events together. Here is Donald Trump speaking about Bobby Knight. I said, hello. He goes, Trump,
1: this is Bobby Knight, and you got to run for president. Our country needs you. And I said, that's Bobby Knight. That's Bobby Knight.
0: Hello.
4: Like, very few people can call up Donald Trump and boss him around. Kind of feels like Bob Knight did. Bob Knight was one of a kind, one of those dudes. And the tributes are coming in. Obviously, President Trump. Former President Trump posting on social media. I thought this was really classy. This was a cool move. Purdue, their men's team had an exhibition basketball game up at West Lafayette last night. They did a moment of silence for the coach of their rival. They had a moment of silence at Mackey Arena. And then after the game, Purdue's head coach, Matt Painter, talked about how Bob Knight and the Indiana program made Purdue better.
3: You know he made us better. You know in competition, and especially with rivalries, you know you get everybody's best, and you know he always got Purdue's best. We we knew, like when we played Indiana, like you know, you know you, ha- you had to have your ducks in the row. Like you know it was it was going to be a great battle, but you also knew that they were always going to have a game, great game plan. They're always going to be prepared, um, but that's what great coaches and great competition does, and it makes other programs better and I think he brought the best out of everybody in this league nationally um, and you know that was the standard you know they were the standard Has did the IU Purdue rivalry in terms of college basketball soften there
4: for a while because well, I feel
3: like it's back
4: I mean, it's only a rivalry when both teams win. And for a while, Purdue was just beating the brakes (laughs) off of Indiana. (laughs) IU's got the banners. Yes. Yes, but over the last decade, as IU was running through coach after coach, Purdue would just beat up on the Hoosiers. That's all you had to say, though. You had to look at those Purdue fans and say banners. But those banners are dusty, but they exist. (laughs) They're there. Now, listen, I know Purdue takes a lot of heat because they – lost to a 16 seed in the tournament and they tend to choke at the tournament. <laughs> but I will say this, Matt Painter is one of the classiest dudes you're going to find in coaching. Um, what he said right there was an example of that. I remember when Beach Grove High School's basketball coach, Matt English, passed away. He had a battle with cancer. And Matt Painter came to Beach Grove High School and spoke to, you know, the team and oh, wow. you know, showed up at the service and He's the guy that gets it. He understands what basketball in the state is about. Another one is the new head coach at Notre Dame, Micah Shrewsbury. He was a high school player here in Indiana, came up through the ranks. He's now the head coach at Notre Dame.
5: A lot of the upbringing, a lot of the things that that you know I think about as a coach, um, a lot of us coaches all goes back to, to, to him. So um, I know there's a lot of people hurting right now because of that. So... Um, just want to know, like, everybody at Indiana University know that, you know, Northern basketball family is thinking about you.
4: And probably the guy that has been the closest with Coach Knight, one of the guys, is Quinn Buckner. Former player, was on that 76 undefeated team. He was the one that was really instrumental in getting Bob Knight to come back to Assembly Hall that day in 2020. And... He was on the Pacers broadcast last night, Kristen Airy and Quinn Buckner, and they had just gotten the news before they went live on the air mm. for the Pacers and Celtics game. Here is Kristen Ari and Quinn Buckner.
1: We got to TD Garden. We found out that legendary Indiana University basketball coach Bob Knight had passed away at the age of 83, and there is nobody better to talk about Coach Knight, the relationship that he had, Is my partner, Quinn Buckner, who's also the president of the IU Board of Trustees. And, uh, Quinn, a a, a tough moment when we learned the passing of Coach Knight.
5: It really was. Um, And I'm, I'm just good. And I'll struggle. Thank you. He was a terrific
4: man. First of all, despite all that other stuff, he he really was a terrific guy. He's a great friend,
5: um, and the the world lost a, a guy who was he was a genius. Who really understood life as well as basketball, and um, I, I feel quite privileged to be whatever I am because I had been in his presence at such an early age, and he helped me grow. And for all of the IU nation, uh, I'm going to take privilege here and speak. He'll be dearly
2: missed.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Quite an effect on all his players. Um, mostly positive. And man, I got to tell you, just like a side note, I loved it when he did battle with the refs when Bob Knight <laughs> laid into Ted Valentine. I mean, I, TV re, Ted. I, I reposted, uh, if you go to twitter.com slash hammer Nigel, this is my third favorite, favorite like red ass moment from Bob Knight behind <laughs> the chair and behind the locker room speech is when it was senior night, 98 assembly hall, Illinois was in town. I think it was Luke Recker that like went up for a rebound. I got knocked down and fouled or something. And he, was, he wasn't getting back up. And, and, coach, Knight walked out there, started walking out towards... He had a player on the ground that wasn't getting up, and Valentine teed him up. And Knight just lost it. (laughs) And for the next six minutes, was just laying into... Uh, Valentine, I think Hightower was another rep that was out
4: there. And is that what he walked across the court and that, right and in front it of culma- him?
3: All culminated with finally after five minutes, the crowd <laughs> going nuts and technical technicals <laughs> throwing left and right. Knight finally just storms out in the middle of the court, and the only person that's standing out in the court is Ted Valentine with his with his head with his head in his hands like a little bee, uh, <laughs> like it was just that crying little baby because he was getting bit berated by Bob Knight. Bob Knight store i thought bob knight was gonna tackle ted valentine i thought he was gonna pummel him but he just brushed right next to him he buzzed wore.
4: the tower yeah, yeah
3: right <laughs> uh so go check that out if you haven't seen that moment with bob knight that, that was my favorite red ass moment for bob knight one of my favorites
4: as the tributes come in i didn't expect to see this one but it makes sense adam sandler put out a tweet really sending love to coach's family won't ever forget how much fun we had together making anger management and won't ever forget Forget my pop being sick and bobby calling him to lift his spirits r.i.p bobby that was from adam sandler and i totally forgot bob knight had a great cameo in the movie anger management remember adam sandler walks in and there's bob knight and you think he's there for anger management then he pops up you mean to tell me this isn't sexaholic and yeah.
3: yeah, right. Okay, I got it. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> Good. I'll retweet it. Good
4: All right. cameo, man.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: Emma and Nigel
5: presents Is the- It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
1: Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll.
3: roll. Hammer, how do we blaze? Is anything?
4: I am going to run some stories by you. You break down all the information and give us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? Grubhub driver in Utah made an honest mistake, something anybody could do, he was supposed to deliver a milkshake, but instead delivered a cup of pee.
3: <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say, like, he left something off the order.
4: No, nope, or no. Nope.
3: He forgot the fries or something.
4: There was a customer who ordered fries and a milkshake from Chick-fil-A during the, uh, uh, via the app. I don't know if you could call this an honest mistake. And instead of getting the milkshake, <laughs> the customer, Caleb, got a cup of pee.
3: Did you confuse the cups? Cause like, yeah. dude, this is it's a it's half full of pee. Refunded a portion of the <laughs> order. I think I think it costs, like twenty five bucks, and they refunded eighteen bucks. The actual cost of the food. They didn't refund like the delivery fee or the tip. Come on, you, they. Yeah, that's something. I would never use Grubhub again. Portion of the i would never use Grubhub again if they didn't instantly refund me all my money and probably credit me another 50 bucks at least 200 bucks your drive me your your driver just gave me a a, a cup of his own urine in. <laughs>
4: I expect this kind of stuff from Waffle House, but not from (laughs) Chick-fil-A, not from Grubba. I I don't know.
3: I mean, so you think this was a, quote, honest mistake as you started out the segment? (laughs) Listen,
4: who hasn't been there before, right? You go get somebody a drink, you come back. Oh, I'm sorry, that's my cup of pee. (laughs) (laughs) I know that, I mean, if you're a delivery
3: driver, if if you work for one of these you know doordash or grubhub or uber eats it's probably i mean you go to the restaurant you have a chance to pick up the person's food you have a chance to go urinate i'm sure in their bathroom oh. right um i, I haven't got a, have a buddy of mine that would drop his his daughter off up north for you know him and him and his him and his, the, his da- daughter's mom would kind of meet in the middle she lived up north and he never wanted to stop on the way back he just wanted to get home and he would pee in Gatorade bottles on sixty-five South, coming back home, and he would have you know two giant Gatorade bottles f- full
4: of uh, urine, urine jugs. In high school, I peed in a Gatorade jug in the football bus. <laughs> See, well, I mean, it's we we're coming back a- from a road game, man, and it was cold outside, and we didn't want to stay and you know go in the locker room and get all that crap. Just get on the bus, let's get out of here. And I had to pee real bad, so. You know, you just got to do the best you can. You know, there is some splash, some spillage. But... I just, I just don't know how, if you're this GrubHub driver,
3: how you make that mistake. I mean, you, it's uh, the texture, the the weight of the cup probably had to have been different. I mean, if you're delivering a milkshake, it's probably thick and and the, I mean, you're in your splishing and splashing. Thank
4: know what God, I God I mean? they didn't order any brownies. <laughs> <laughs> Is this anything? (laughs) Speaking of food delivery services, DoorDash is now warning that orders with no tips attached to them, where the customer is refusing to tip, might maybe just arrive cold. Really? Basically, an order without a tip looks less enticing to the driver. Here's the announcement from one of the drivers about their new tiered tipping system and what customers can expect. DoorDash is dedicated to bringing you your favorite restaurant food right to your door, warm and delicious. That is, of course, unless you're a bad tipper. Introducing the DoorDash tiered tipping system, where the quality of food depends on your tip. Just tipping 20%, you can bet that food's going to be cold. Only 15%, <laughs> we reserve the right to take a little nibble of your dinner and sip of your drink. We you just change out the straws. Mm-hmm. Tipping under 10%? Huh, don't be surprised if you get a nose nugget somewhere in your
2: delivery. Oh. I'm not saying where's.
3: Doordash, hey up, buddy! Oh, Come on! I'm a we. I'm a for quite a bit. We tip okay. Um, I mean 20 percent, right? That's standard. Yeah. If the service
4: is good, yes, absolutely. I haven't had
3: much. I haven't had any problems with delivery food delivery services.
4: Do you always I, I, tip even if the service is horrible? Like, let's say somebody delivers your food. It's the wrong order. It's cold. You're not quite Uh. sure if that's a pube on your cup or not. (laughs) And the guy's not wearing pants. Do you still have to give him a tip?
3: See, the way I think it works, and my wife usually does it, you tip beforehand. I'm pretty sure you tip beforehand. Like with Uber, you get dropped off, then you tip. But with these food delivery services, you have the option of that's what this whole thing with DoorDash is now warning that orders with no tips attached to them, they're going to be slower than the ones that have them because it's not as enticing. You got two orders there. What You're not going to tip me. Now, I don't know how much DoorDash drivers make. I don't know, like, per hour what it is. I mean, I think it's a decent wage. I don't think it's like a deal where you're a waiter at a restaurant and you have you make that, mid, like, $3 an hour because right. you work off tips. I don't think that's the way it works with the, these guys.
4: I have never used it once. Really? I'm always a go-pick-it-up-yourself dude, a carry-out guy, or yeah. the only thing I ever have delivered is pizza. And I tipped the bejesus out of the pizza guy, sure. but I've never used DoorDash. I've never used any of that kind of stuff. Grubhub. Uh, but 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 why? I just don't like that many people in the process of getting my food to my oh, mouth. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, there's a lot of bad uh, things, like we heard earlier, that can go on between the time that food gets made and to the time <laughs> it gets to your door. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs>
2: You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel
3: Show. Yeah, hi. I'm Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest live in studio. Lisa
4: Schmitz. She is running for the Indianapolis City County Council, District 17, southwest side of Indy. Very heavy Democrat City County Council, but... One of the races that has a lot of people interested in is what's happening in District 17. Lisa, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm great. And what I think is interesting is that your opponent, Jared Evans, who is the incumbent for this seat, he's running a negative campaign ad, not against you, but against Micah Beckwith for some reason. Explain this to me.
6: <laughs> what? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm w- wondering who is actually running for office when I see that.
4: So he's putting out mailers saying Lisa Schmitz is friends with Micah Beckwith. Well, we should explain who Micah Beckwith is. Well, he is basically the friend of Rob Kendall who's running for the uh, lieutenant governor's seat. He's pastor at Life Church, right? Who does not live in Marion County and is not running for <laughs> District 17. But all the material that I've seen is that you apparently are squeaky clean, Lisa, but that dirty Micah Beckwith, <laughs> he's getting all the ire of your opponent.
6: Yeah, I, I really don't understand it. I want to be judged on my capabilities and my uh, experience and my community involvement. And I think that when you start throwing daggers and arrows at other people in a campaign, they're trying to deflect. So
3: It's just like Sharif and Hogsett. Hogsett's running these attack ads on Sharif saying, he, he voted for Donald Trump. He's for abortion. What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with the crime and the potholes and the homicides in this city? You know? I, I
6: uh, want to talk about the things that are important to yes, District 17 and, right. and my community.
4: You're not trying to change gun laws and abortion laws? No. Shocking. Wow. <laughs> no. That's, that's refreshing. So what is uh, a uh, Lisa Schmidt's campaign about?
6: It is about focusing on the people in the district, where they live, where they work, and the business owners within our community, all of that. Quality of life, that pertains to everything from leaving your house to drive to the grocery store through potholes, to having to deal with squatters in your neighborhood who are setting houses on fire, um, you know, all, it's property taxes, you name it. All A lot of things. the stuff
4: that some of the high-profile candidates in the city don't want to talk about.
6: Correct. But those are the things that impact us every day. And I literally drive my district 20 times a day. I drive up and down Lyndhurst between Washington and Rockville Road. I drive Mars Hill which is where we live. Um, run a nonprofit community center that offers a lot of resources outside of what our original mission was to serve the people in our community. It's a very poverty stricken neighborhood. And so the things I want to focus on are those things that actually impact their day to day life.
4: Now what is district 17 like you mentioned the neighborhoods that you uh mainly focus on right how far does that go
6: so the boundaries of district 17 and i do want to clarify this so thank you for asking a lot of people don't understand where the boundaries are now that they've been redrawn so as far west as raceway road south is troy avenue all the way over to belmont up to where Washington and Rockville meet, that little triangle, and then just south of Rockville, if you think about the railroad tracks you cross when you go up Lynnhurst, just south of that church, that is the north boundary, all the way over to just east of Country Club, up to 10th Street, and then down Raceway. So northwest corner is where Gillespie Florist is at 10th and Raceway, Okay, and then all the way down the Troy and Belmont, there's not even a street there so this is kind of
4: a ben davis wayne township decatur central almost no decatur Decatur. okay
6: right so that's what's confusing because the way the map is drawn right now it does include part of decatur but now this is all wayne township but i I say all wayne township but it is not all of wayne Township. is the
3: family video still over there wasn't that like one of the last family videos ever which one uh over there by uh, 10th and raceway uh, uh, I don't think what it's you said, a family but, but video anymore I
6: think it's a vape it's store a, or something no, now I think it's a Hispanic grocery store maybe. Okay, okay I mean, It was yeah. one of the
3: last ones No, I mean, I'm, I'm from that side of town I've You know, my my grandparents lived on the west side And uh, um, I, I don't think I ever went there to that video store But I'm looking at your resume, Lisa And I I'm, <laughs> I'm, i am actually I see the word you, were, you worked in the corporate world for a while And right. it looks like you worked for uh, One of my favorite stores ever growing up Yes Galleons
6: Everyone Mrs. Gallian. Oh, Gallian's. Awesome.
3: I look to the one on Pike Plaza Road on the West Side all the time. Uh, P- uh, galleons a hundred times better than Dick's Sporting Goods. Oh. Big.
6: I will not go into Dick's Sporting Goods. No. No. Oh, no.
4: Cross them off the we'll list not. of potential sponsors for this program. <laughs> Thanks, Nigel. Lisa, <laughs> appreciate <Whatever>. that.
6: <laughs> we, we had a quote. Uh, when we were being bought out that i will not repeat on air but i'm sure you can imagine i what think we, used we to can say. put two and two
4: together yes
6: <laughs> well to speak to your comment about my resume i do feel very fortunate that i've been able to work for for some amazing companies and I would be remiss if I didn't say I have on red today in honor of Bobby Knight I'm a basketball fan Um, I'm from Arkansas I was one of the people running out of our house in 1994 when Arkansas won against Duke and so huge basketball fan but respect his leadership and um, the way that he commanded discipline and respect. But Indiana is so known for two main sports, the Indy 500 and basketball. And I got to work at the Speedway for almost eight years, the first eight years that I lived in Indiana. Cool. Uh, Fun fact is I was the very first HR manager at IMS back in 1999.
4: Nice. How many times did you have to yell at A.J. Foyt?
6: (laughs) You know, I didn't. He was the nicest man. I almost got run over, though, by Dale Earnhardt Sr. Oh, Oh, wow. In the garage when he was testing one day now, no to one be else,
4: fair you were in his way
6: uh, well i was told ahead of time to make sure that i parked before i heard him come around turn four to come screaming into the garage so i i could tell he was coming i stayed out of the way
4: lisa schmitz is our guest she is running for a city county council uh district 17 against jared evans so I was part of an article in the Washington Post recently, along with Rob Kendall, talking about the homeless situation and the crime situation here in Indy. A lot of people take that as you're ripping on the city. It's not the case. I love Indianapolis. I live here. My family's here. I work here. I remember what the city was like just a number of years ago, how vibrant it was. I don't feel like that's the case anymore, Lisa. What can be done? at a city county council level to make things better in Indy?
6: Well, before I give you my answer to that question, I want to agree with you. And I want to tell you that when I moved here in 1995 and we came here to look at the city, it was right before Circle Center opened. Downtown was really becoming the cool place to be. Um, We decided to move here intentionally because of the fact that there was so much opportunity, a lot to do. It was a beautiful city. If I was in the process of doing that right now, I don't know that I would make the same decision and to the responsibilities of city government and leadership, including the council. We need to come up with ways to help this problem, and I heard you guys talking about it earlier today, I think we have different categories of problem within problems within the homeless community, but providing, number one, a place for them to go. We don't have a central state anymore. We don't have a place for these people to actually go. Um, the mental health crisis, the addiction recovery uh, processes that we're doing are helping address the addiction recovery or the addiction part of it. That is such a huge thing. Addiction is one of the reasons these people get out on the street. And then they enjoy the life and they don't want to come back. They don't want to leave it. So I think there are just a lot of programs that we need to look at putting in place to help different categories of those problems. And I don't have all the answers, right? um, but I'm a networker. I'm someone who gets out there and puts organizations together that can can collaborate to come to some type of, um, you know, reasonable solution to things like this. And so I think that's one of the things that I bring to the council is that collaboration, even with people that I don't necessarily agree with.
4: Because I get accused of being insensitive to the homeless community from time to time. And it's really not that. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel empathy. I really do for the family members that have nowhere to go, maybe they check into Wheeler Mission. Maybe they go to the Salvation Army or perhaps they're just set up under a bridge or right. something for right now. To me, that's different than the people you see out here in Monument Circle that are aggressive panhandlers that just want money for drugs.
6: Right. I agree. Um, we do a lot of homeless outreach Um My husband serves every Sunday down by uh, Mission 27 resale. And this past Sunday, they served over 140 people, which was, I think, a record number. Um, So there are bigger problems that contribute to all of these problems. And I I think we need to try to figure that out. We're not the only city dealing with this. Um, We had an issue in our neighborhood that involved a homeless Group that was moving around from place to place. And one of the things that contributes to this is property owners not being held accountable for either fixing the property and selling it or boarding it up to the point that no one can get in it and squat in it. And it was right before our five year anniversary of the Mars Hill Art Center, which is a nonprofit that my husband and I founded. And my husband went over and talked to these people and said, Hey, we're going to have an event. We're going to be giving out free meals if you guys need a meal come on down so we've engaged with these people to try to provide resources or connect them they came down got a free meal a few days later we drive by and ems is there taking this, the same guy that my husband talked to out on a stretcher he had od'd and then he oh, died no. three days later and then two weeks later after we've called a million times about getting the house boarded up they set the house on fire so and it's the property owners that could help preclude some of that activity. So there's so many layers to this. So finally,
3: what sets you apart from your opponent, Jared Evans? I mean, what are you gonna do differently that he isn't doing or what 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 isn't he doing that you would do differently?
6: Engaging with the people where they live, where they work, and focusing on our district and not on things downtown, like a big hotel downtown that Mm. doesn't have an impact on our residents. In fact, um, the reason that I was inspired to run was after... Us as a, as a nonprofit and me as a small business owner trying to connect to a couple of counselors to get help within our community. And we were basically shut down, told that if we didn't have enough people in our community to get involved in these community meetings and Crime Watch and all that, that they're not going to pay attention to us because it looks like we don't care about our community and we're not involved. Um, we, we were told so many things like that, dismissed, um, talked too rudely other constituents were talked about rudely with us. And I, I just don't think that that's appropriate from someone in that position. And I I think that I can do a better job and I think I can listen and come with some solutions and just talk to people. I've had so many people that have said, I can't believe you knocked on my door or I can't believe you called me back. Um, And then a businessman the other day looked at me and he goes, you're the one I've seen on my postcards. And I said, yeah, I am. And he's like, you came in? I said, I sure did. And that's what we're supposed to do as public servants, right? Um, not focus on says a lot that they were shocked. He, he, he was very shocked. Um, I did have to explain to him, though, I, I teach a stretching and movement class to 80-year-olds. And so I was dressed for my movement class. And so I think I looked out of context from my postcard. <laughs> <laughs> so,
4: And yeah. I love the reaction. Like, you knock on somebody's door. Wow, I can't believe you're knocking on my door. Yeah. I do it. God, I can't believe you're (laughs) knocking on my door. (laughs) Where can people get more information, Lisa?
6: Lisa Lisaforindy.com. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Lisa for Indy. And you know, when you look my information up online, you go to my website. You'll find my phone number and my email, and reach out. I will. I will call you back. I'll email you back. And happy to hear from folks that have questions.
4: Southwest side, there you go. Lisa Schmitz, City County Council, District 17. Lisa, thank you. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel
0: Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
3: Real quick update here for you, Hammer. Earlier we had that story about how DoorDash is now warning that orders with no tips attached to them ahead of the, t- the time might end up being delivered cold. And we were wondering about uh, do the do DoorDashers get an hourly wage? How much do they get per order? How much, you know, how far do they have to travel? Uh, quick update matt hey guys i'm a doordasher just wanted to let you guys know that i'm depending on the time that that on depending on the time of day and distance that you have to drive to make the delivery we make as little as two dollars per delivery add on the fact that we don't get an hourly wage sometimes we work four hours only to make a couple of deliveries and go home with six or eight dollars in our pockets. so we depend on our tips, and when we say, please tip us, we don't say that because we're trying to get rich. We say that because we're trying to survive. So that is a, a perspective from a DoorDasher right
4: there. Man, the whole thing sounds like a racket because the drivers aren't making crap. I know the restaurants themselves exactly. often they... complain that you know it's not really productive for them to Profitable do it. Profitable
3: for them to do. Yeah.
4: The company of DoorDash or whoever it is, Grubhub, they're making a killing on this thing. I mean that's an absolute racket. That stinks. I'm excited for our next guest. Yeah, I mean he's a legend. I mean, he is an absolute legend. That term gets thrown around a lot, but when you think of IU basketball, there's not many names ahead of the list of Steve Alford. I
3: mean I'm I'm I'm, I'm sad under the conditions of which we're having him as a guest to talk about the passing of coach Bob Knight, but I really like I really like coach Alford.
4: Yes. For... He's the head coach of uh, Nevada right now and uh National champion, All-American, and Olympic gold medalist under Bob Knight. We're going to have a great conversation with Steve Alford when we come back. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos?
0: So let's rock it.
3: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very
4: special guest on the hotline. One of the biggest names to ever play basketball at Indiana. He was an All-American. He was a national champion. He won an Olympic gold medal. Steve Alford joins us. Coach, how are you?
2: I'm fine. Thank you.
4: So, obviously, the biggest story in Indiana, and maybe across the sports world, is the passing of your former coach, Bob Knight. When you heard the news, Steve, take me through the emotions that went through your mind.
2: Yeah, uh, obviously, a tough day yesterday. I learned about it uh, right before we had a scrimmage, an exhibition game, and we were in pregame meal, so I had to dismiss myself from pregame meal. My associate coach, Craig Neal, who's an Indiana guy himself, played at Georgia Tech for Bobby Crimmins, and we're on the same Indiana All-Star team, and uh, fortunate to learn it from him instead of uh, the internet or otherwise so just really tough um, you know you grow up in Indiana you uh, I was fortunate to play for my dad at Newcastle and all of my individual workouts all of my dreams all of my prayers were that I, I twofold. fold I, I want to be good enough to play for my dad and I wanted to be good enough to hopefully play for Coach Knight at Indiana. And so when you just start thinking about all those things now at the age of 58, um, you start reflecting about you know all those things you did as a youngster and then uh, the impact that somebody like Coach Knight had on your career.
3: When was the first time that Coach came to watch you play as a high school basketball player? Do you remember?
2: Well, that's how I'm getting older, but uh, Stu Robinson was a, a senior uh, at Madison Heights. I was a junior at Newcastle, and he came to the field house, um, uh, the largest and finest, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. I think it was pulled out, about nine, ten thousand 10,000 people there. And uh, Coach Knight was in the, the stands, and um, I think that was the first Maybe the first game, at least the first game at Newcastle, that he saw me. And now the irony to that is, I'm coaching Stu's son um, here at Nevada. Oh, so, wow!
3: So he came to see Stu.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stu was uh, <laughs> already committed. Um, I think Stu was already committed, and I think I was already committed as well because I committed before my junior year. So it was oh. two two guys that would end up spending uh, three years. We, we, Stu and I were in the same backcourt for three years, so um, it was a good game for Coach to come up to.
4: Steve, what was your relationship like with Coach during your time at Indiana?
2: Oh, it was phenomenal. I, I'm not, you know, everybody will tell you it's tough, um, but that's what makes Coach so special. Um, the way he prepared us, the, the discipline that he imposed, the learning how to compete on every possession. I've been in coaching 33 years now, and I. It's so difficult to get players to understand every drill matters, every possession matters. Uh, The ability to compete at a high level during every possession is huge. I think he implemented that on a daily basis, no matter whether you'd won the last game or lost the last game. The ability to get his players and teams to improve daily. And then just to show his team how to win. Uh, He was such a winner. And um, I love his honesty. Uh, there were times I didn't like how tough he was, uh, but <laughs> that's, all, that's all part of playing there, and you understand that. And when you understand what he was saying to you, then you saw growth. And if you couldn't see what he was saying to you, um, then it just it wasn't going to be the right fit for you. And I was very fortunate that um, I understood that, and uh, I liked how hard he was on me because he made me better. Uh, whether I was coming off a bad game or I was coming off a game where I scored a bucket load of points – he was the same coach the next day, and it was about focus on the next play, focus on the next team, and be prepared to the fullest. And, and I think his greatest attribute was how he prepared teams. I, I just always thought we were the most prepared team in every game we played.
3: And w- when you clashed with him, uh, you know, off the court or on the court at practice, like did you mouth off? Did you ever say something that you kind of went, "Well, what oh, no, just no, what no, what, no. what just came out of my mouth? Uh oh, did I just say that or none of that?"
2: No, that that never happened. But okay. one of the best stories—I'd been kicked out of seven practices in four years, and you know, wow, I, I was I was a confident kid. I had to be because I wasn't six ten. I wasn't athletic. I, <laughs> I had to be skill and toughness and basketball IQ, and um, you know, but one practice coach kicked me out because he he said I wasn't working hard, and that was like, man, that was a dart because I yeah. I took pride. Working everybody, and I was a senior, and I guess I just had enough. So one of the things you learned, I told the Olympic team this in 84 when he kicked us out, you stay at your <laughs> locker because you, you you stay at your locker, you stay dressed, and then he'll come in and he'll talk to you one-on-one. Well, that happened to me about six times in my career, and then finally my senior year, I'm like, no, I'm done with I'm not. I shouldn't be kicked out as a senior. I'm done. And so I, I threw all my clothes on the floor and I left. And I go back to my apartment at Jackson Heights, and as soon as I come in the door, because I'm telling you how old I am, we had no cell phones; it was a landline. My my phone's ringing, and I answer the phone, and it's Tim Garl, our trainer. And all Tim says is, "Hey, coach would like for you to come. Coach needs for you to come back to put your practice gear in the bag and do what you're supposed to do with it. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't come back and be yeah and. Hawk it was – and it's that's who Coach was. I mean, he got you. He got, oh, that's got great. That last person, got you, and I had to, like, sneak back into assembly hall, put my practice gear – I was so mad that I forgot that little <laughs> – that little discipline of putting the practice gear in a bag and putting it in a laundry bin. But that was Coach. That was his – Hey, you want to go home? That's fine. Go home. But you know the disciplines of putting your practice gear when when you're done practicing. And it was just lessons like that 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 taught me every day how to be a better player, how to be a better person
4: we're chatting with steve alford head coach at nevada and of course an iu legend one of the greatest ever put on the uniform for the hoosiers you mentioned that olympic team steve there were some big names on that olympic team but you were the one that had experience of dealing with coach Knight. did some of the other guys come up and ask you for advice on how to get through a practice with him as their coach
2: Yeah, that happened all the time. And I always told the guys, I'm like, guys, I'm just 19. I'm I'm a freshman. I've only been there one year. But they didn't know I'd been with – I'd been at coaches' camps from third grade all the way through 12th grade. I went to every single camp. My dad took me to clinics. So I did know, Coach, uh, as well as you could just through completing one year of college. But I'll never forget – In May, I think it was May, our Olympic team had been solidified. It might have been June. We're practicing Assembly Hall, staying on campus there in Bloomington. And uh, we just had three really good practices in a row, like really good. We were in two a days. So, Vern Fleming, who obviously had a great collegiate career and then a a great career, played for the Pacers, uh, was a dear teammate. Um, He came up to me before practice. He said, Hey, what's Coach going to do today? And I go, Vern, it wouldn't, be, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he came in, right? Been in practice. We do one, two drills, and then he goes crazy and kicks us out of practice. <laughs> <laughs> and Vern looks at me and he goes, Why, Steve, why would he kick us out of practice? We're playing so well. And I said, Vern, because coach never wants to give you a day off mentally. And by kicking us out of practice, he's able to give us physically a day off but mentally we'll be sitting in our rooms over at the student union and we're going to be like, man, he's mad. We got to be better (laughs) the next day. We got to back off this day off and be good. And that's how he trained us mentally. And it to a T we did four corners. We did one more drill and coach boots a ball into the stand and <laughs> tells us to get out. And I look at Vern and he's staring like he'd seen a ghost and we go into we go in the locker room and it's the first time he'd kicked us out and everybody started taking their shoes off. I'm like, No, 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 no. Guys, you gotta just sit at your chairs, sit at your locker, don't get undressed, don't do anything, you gotta wait till he comes in. But I'll never forget it to this day. I happen to glance over and look at Vern, and he's just dumbfounded. He's just like <laughs> <staring at laughs> That's awesome. What it's was fun. your um, – so It worked out that I, I gained a little notoriety of knowing what the coach was doing. Yeah. But uh, it, it tells you how coach wasn't going to change for anybody. He was the best ever to play, you know, was on that Olympic team, and he didn't change. He was flexible to, to Michael, there's no question. But uh, he didn't change who he was as a coach.
3: What was your relationship with Coach Knight over the years, and and do you remember the last time you've spoken with him?
2: Oh, yeah. I I was back seeing him a month ago, and obviously not – I'm not in very good health at all right. and, um, when I get back in the summers I've tried, I've tried to see him and um, his health has been declining and I was able to spend about three hours with Pat which was his son which was, was a lot of fun for both of us just reminiscing about things because he was in junior high when I was playing uh, at Indiana but coach has always been so close to me and um, every time I've needed him or called upon him he's been there to help um, he, was, he was instrumental in um, movie meets to New Mexico and, and being able to work for Doc smedley and uh, incredible president and that he had at Texas Tech and uh, he was always there whether my my start my college coaching crew was Manchester he had my teams down there I go to Missouri State and he, he he schedules Missouri State in his tournament I go to Iowa which becomes a conflicting time because now we're competing against each other in the Big Ten and you know he does things like the handshake that the media was all looking for he comes in a different way to um just so that's not a big deal he just he did everything to do to help me in every way shape or form and every time i went to see him every time i called upon him um he was a dear friend and um obviously love the man and appreciate everything he's done for me
4: Well, Coach, best of luck with your Nevada squad this year, and we really do appreciate you taking the time to join us here in Indy to reflect on Coach Bob Knight.
2: I appreciate it very much. Thanks. Go Hoosiers.
3: Wow. Steve Alford. Icon. Legend.
4: I had the workout video from Steve Alford when I was a kid. The Steve Alford All-American really? All Workout Video, the VHS. And my favorite drill was you could just take a chair and a broom out to the basketball floor, put the broom in the chair, and then you can shoot over defenders. <laughs> like, if you were just by yourself,
3: that's how you could get better. And were you re- wearing really, really skin-tight short shorts? <laughs> up the like, thigh, moose-knuckle-type shorts? At that- a strong yeah. hair game, yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> All right.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Are you okay? Are you really okay with this? Are you okay?
5: Everything's going to be okay. Are, okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty far from
1: okay are you okay with this on the hammer and nigel i
3: have a feeling i know the answer to this one hammer uh the alabama supreme court said that the state can now execute an inmate with nitrogen gas that's a method that hasn't been used to carry out a death sentence at all are you okay with this
4: Yes! And Governor Holcomb, are you listening? I don't want to hear any more crap about, well, we don't have the lethal ingredients, we don't have the lethal cocktail. (laughs) Yes, you do! Yes, you do! And I'm telling you, Nige, I don't care who becomes the next governor, whether it's Curtis Hill, whether it's Mike Braun, I do not care. Let's get back to killing bad guys again. Some of these bad guys on death row that are completely... 100% out of appeals. Benjamin Ritchie, the cop killer from my hometown. I hate even saying his name because he gets off on it. But he needs to die. I wish that guy were dead. He brings nothing to the human race. Absolutely nothing. One of the great scumbags of all time. He's out of appeals. And he's sitting back on death row. And he thinks he's a big celebrity in there. What are they waiting for? Well, that's a great question. So I'm looking at this way they want to do things in Alabama with uh, nitrogen, under this proposed method, the inmate would be forced to breathe only nitrogen, depriving them of the oxygen they need to uh, function. Now, from what I'm reading, this is a painless way for these bad guys to go which I don't really care about. I don't really care about the feelings of some of these heinous monsters. This guy in Alabama uh, got the death sentence for being a contract killer and murdering a woman. So, I'm here for this. If the excuse is, well, we can't execute some of these death row people. We don't have the lethal ingredients. You can get nitrogen, you can get a firing squad, you can do a hanging, there are a number of ways yeah, you can do this. It
3: doesn't matter what way you're executed, there's a number of opponents of the death penalty that say it doesn't deter death penalty the people that would uh, commit a crime, and that it's inhumane.
4: That's my favorite part. Yeah, it's inhumane to the brutal killer that uh, murdered a woman, or killed a cop, or did something. You look up what some of these people in Indiana Death Row did. Like, if you ever want to go down a rabbit hole, look at what they are in for and tell me whether or not they deserve to still be breathing our air.
3: Okay, the Texas Rangers won the World Series. Here is the final out from the Texas Rangers radio network.
2: Spores, kicks, and fires. He struck him out looking! The Rangers are the World Series champions. After 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise, the wait is over. And the celebration has
3: begun. It's <laughs> a big deal. Are you okay with the Texas Rangers winning the World Series?
4: Yes, I am. Um, I always like it when first-timers get in there. And I have no beef with the Texas Rangers. That's fine. Great team. Good young talent mixed with some veterans. And honestly, as long as it's not the St. Louis Cardinals or the Chicago White Sox, if it can't be my Cubs, sure. you know, or even the Reds. My old man is a big diehard Reds fan. Uh, if it can't be one of those teams, then I'm fine with the Rangers. It wasn't the Yankees. It wasn't the Red Sox. It was the Texas Rangers. It was their first one. Now, does this move the needle at all for you, Nige? Because the ratings for this World Series were trash. Really? Why were they trash?
3: Why, I, I mean, what is it about baseball that's it's just, I mean, are these teams not resonating with a certain segment? Of
4: the, I mean, Arizona Diamondbacks? Right. That's, who, the who, Rangers I mean, and that? Diamondbacks. I don't know if if you asked a casual fan, can you name a player on either yeah. one of these teams? You know, I mean, there's if,
3: no marketable superstar. It, it, I mean, if the Yankees would have been in there, would have been better
4: ratings. Yes, it would yeah. have been. And again, when I say marketable superstar, the Rangers got some badasses. But does the average fan know who Corey Seager is? <laughs> Probably not. Maybe, maybe not. Do you, ever, but-
3: do you ever really ever think about how lucky we are as fans, sports fans here at Indiana? How we've 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 experienced. You know, if you like IU, we've experienced. Um, uh, college basketball championships. We've experienced Super Bowl championships. You're a huge Cubs fan. You, uh, you've you been waiting all your life for the Cubs to win the World Series, which happened a few years ago. Yes. I think we're pretty lucky as, as Indiana sports fans, as that goes. Notre right. Dame
4: fans, Notre you, Dame, of course. you know, witnessed a uh, championship back in 88, I believe it was. My old man grew up watching the Big Red Machine, and then he got another one in 1990. Yeah. I'm still waiting on the Pacers. I've seen the Pacers get to the the finals, the finals against yeah. the lakers but man i want to see a pacer championship before i check out all right coming up next rob kendall he is standing by ready to go off the rails why is he shirtless doing push-ups in the hallway and when did he start smoking <laughs> i don't I don't
3: know if
4: he's that fired up and needs to it's calm a, down
3: it's a pack of marlboro unfilters that's laying right next to him there
2: i want you to get up right now and go to the window open it and
4: stick
1: your head out and yell i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore and now camera and i will go off the rails with
0: rob Kendall. the noise pollution
3: The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also, Rob Kendall. Here to go off the rails from the Kendall and Casey Show. Rob, how are you? I'm
1: great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Something
3: uh, I heard you guys talking about earlier this morning on the show and I don't know if you came right out and said it, but it was I think it was a good question. Was Bob Knight, you know, the passing of Bob Knight, was Bob Knight bigger than the IU brand? Was he uh, bigger than
1: IU? Oh, I th- yeah, I think so. And, I mean, you think about, you look at the split after Knight was fired. There's a whole bunch of people like me who went 20 years and never watched IU basketball in protest. Now, look at that as a grown man. I'm like, well, that was kind of ridiculous. but <laughs> But still, the passion was so strong that over the coach... Hey, I was cheering, full disclosure, I was cheering for the Red Raiders way more than the Hoosiers sure. when Bob Knight was the yeah. Texas Tech head coach. I watch
3: a lot of Texas Tech games.
1: Yeah, and and so, I, I look, I, I just think, I, t- I told the story earlier on the air. When I was a little kid, I must have been five or six, my dad and I went to watch a high school basketball game where there were, like, multiple of these kind of, you know, big-time Indiana high school basketball recruits, and there's several famous coaches there, and they're in the stands and whatever. And Knight walks in the building, like, midway through the game, It's not like he announced himself. It's not like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Knight. There's not a spotlight on him. He simply walks up the ramp and into the gym, and everybody stops watching the game, thousands of people, and there's this audible gasp. Like the air was sucked out of the room almost. And everybody just starts looking at this guy just standing in the corner by himself and nobody's watching the game anymore. I mean that was Bob Knight, he was bigger than he was bigger than the program itself.
4: And just a few minutes ago we spoke with Steve Alford and did you catch part of that conversation where he says when he was coming up as a, you know, pretty good high school basketball player. He just wanted to play for his dad and Bob Knight. It wasn't I wanted to play for Indiana. It's I wanted to be good enough to play for my dad and Bob Knight. He named individuals.
1: Remember the famous Damon Bailey thing after he wins that state championship? I'm Knight's boy now is the the famous quote that will live on forever. I mean, look at... Bob Knight is on the Mount Rushmore of all-time Indiana people, right? If you were to take four people that most—and we've done this before on our, our show with you— if you take the people who most define when people think of Indiana, Bob Knight is is up there. I mean, I right. don't know. Maybe if you count Lincoln being from Indiana, maybe he's ahead of, <laughs> of Knight. But, I mean, there's not many people.
4: And the thing is, he was flawed. He's not perfect. I don't think anybody in this room is saying Bob Knight was perfect and you can't criticize him in any way— but about 95% of the players, if you listen to them speak, they are willing to run through a wall for that dude. Like, he made them work. He taught them life lessons, made them go to class. You know, was all about toughness. Every player that we've spoken to today and every interview that I've heard over the last 24 hours, those were the things that all were the common denominator.
1: Yeah, and again, you just look at it, It's more than just the success as a coach. It was the persona as the person, right? Yeah. There was so much intrigue, you know, kind of just urban legend. I mean, you said it, it earlier, uh, maybe sort of became a caricature of right. himself. Right, sure. I mean, he's in the anger management movie, uh, you know, with Adam Sandler. It's just all of these things about, and I forgot look, here's how I would define Bob Knight. And I think when we go, the number one thing you leave behind is how did you make other people feel? And yes, Bob Knight punched a cop in Puerto Rico. Yes, Bob Knight, you know, allegedly stuck some soiled toilet paper in some kid's (laughs) face. Bob Knight, you know, threw a potted plant allegedly across the, uh, you know, the athletic office. Had some interesting thoughts on sexual assault. I mean, all of these things. (laughs) But for the average person, especially people our age, a little older, our memories of him are ninety-five percent super fond, and he's the guy who made us feel good. About staying up late on school nights to sure. watch IU basketball and doing that with your parents and going to IU basketball games and the joys of winning and then shooting hoops in the driveway pretending to be Calbert Cheney or Steve Alford and uh, you know it's just Bob Knight created that right and and so if ninety five percent to five percent is is positive great warm incredible feelings. That's a pretty good life. I
3: wonder, and I asked Calbert Cheney the same thing. I, he was, seemed impervious to criticism and or pressure. Uh, and I asked Calbert, I was like, did you ever see anything behind the scenes that said otherwise? He's going, oh, no, 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 no. The criticism, at least, we never saw. I mean, I maybe wonder if that's more of a question for his family, for Pat Knight. I mean, I wonder if it got to him at all. Do you think it ever,
1: ever really took a toll on on Coach Knight? So, Jay Billis wrote an interesting article for ESPN last night. It's a fabulous piece. Billis uh, played for Duke and then has been a commentator and writer at ESPN for years. He did basketball with Knight when Knight worked at ESPN. And he tells this story about how when Tom Crean first got elected, or elected, selected to be IU's coach, they have, you know, he does this big thing when he gets picked about, hey, we love Bob Knight. We want Bob Knight to come back. All the people that did this to you are gone. We love you. Come on back. And they play this game in the, I think it was in Madison Square Garden. Knight's doing the game for ESPN or the the commentary or the side of the pregame show, whatever. IU wins and everybody's encouraging Knight. Hey, Go into the locker room and see those guys and tell them they did a great job. Kareem loves you. None of these people are here anymore. You would just it would bring the house down if you went in there. And I said, no, no, I don't, I don't want to make it about me. And according to Billis, Tony LaRussa calls him, manager for the Cardinals at the time, and says, you gotta, you gotta do this, Bob. You know they, they love you. You're, you're great. And finally, he just snaps at LaRussa and says something to the effect of, darn it, I'm not over it yet. And I think that is the only time where you really saw oh. that something bothered Bob Knight, which he was so hurt. The way he left IU. Because he loved that yeah. play so much. And maybe he was a little disappointed in himself. I don't know. But the fact that he went down for, hey, Knight, what's up? just seemed like an unfair ending right to to bob knight didn't it right and there definitely
4: was some angst like that interview that he did with dan patrick where he went on a national radio show and said i hope everybody there dies like in terms of (laughs) the people that let him go at indiana
1: it's and maybe it's like and who knows you know the bell tolls for all of us here eventually and who knows how each one of us will go out but it's like you know i look at it as I've given everything I have to this radio station for seven years, and I'd like to think that'll be ultimately rewarded. But uh, the reality is we work in radio, and there'll come a time where they'll tell you your services are no longer required. It's probably part of what Knight felt, but picture doing it for 29 years, right? Where right. every day you come in and you love your job and you love the people around and you give everything you possibly can to something. And then to be told, oh, and let's face it again, of all the stuff they let him do. And then for grabbing some kid's arm, they were looking to get rid of him. Yeah. And he knew that. And so, yep. yeah, it just uh, it just sucks. That's the way he went out.
4: And this kind of happens whenever a high profile figure passes away you've got people writing things on social media sports writer in the indie star writes this backhanded uh story about bob knight former sports reporters in this city almost celebrating the fact that bob knight has passed away your thoughts on those type of people because it's not just with bob knight you'll see it I'm sure when Donald Trump ultimately passes away or Joe Biden, whoever, the people that like to crap on you the moment that you die.
1: Well, and, uh, you know, it's no different than these people who are having aneurysms because we were in The Washington Post yesterday. I mean, it's just people who look for misery. Like, where is the, the excuse to be miserable in all of this? And I will pursue that. Avenue and what was the
4: Washington Post story? In
3: case yeah. people don't uh, and, hear, were you the focal point of that story? Because I couldn't. I saw the screenshot yeah. of you guys being mentioned, and Hammer, you were mentioned. That, that must have been the when you do your
1: daily hit with them.
3: Uh, no, what, it was what,
1: safety what, guy, right? The uh, the what are yeah, they the focal the, point
4: was one of the safety ambassadors, like the Aldi's version of the Ten Point Coalition <laughs> that Hogsett hired to walk around the city,
1: <laughs> and and so. Okay. Uh, it was about him. And then obviously they got different views on how safe the city was and what things are being done. And one of the things they did, the, the writer spent a, d- a day with us on our show and followed us around. And we were quoted in there and we were obviously pointing out factual stuff about the city, that there is a serious issue with homelessness. There is a serious issue with public safety. There is a serious issue with being out just walking around after dark. I don't think that any of those things are controversial or any reasonable person would go, well, that's totally out of line and yet the, there are these people on social media who two days later have wasted who knows how much time attempting to troll us over that opinion. <laughs>
4: these are the people that like will post a photo of themselves having a beer. I don't see any crime outside on Monument Circle right now. They're those types of people.
1: And yeah. they're and they're just so and so it's the same brand of people though that they can't wait to write something bad about Bob Knight. Was Bob Knight controversial? Yes, absolutely. And is the chair-throwing And the uh, cop punching and the, you know, alleged toilet paper. I mean, they're they're like the audio, the leaked audio of him. I'm not losing to Purdue. It's part of his thing, but it's not the thing. The thing is he was a phenomenal basketball coach and he raised all sorts of great men who have contributed into society. His kids graduated. He ran a clean program. Like the controversial stuff to me is like number nine on the list. And it's, you know, one through eight is all the great things that he did.
4: There was another story yesterday that got buried because of the Bob Knight News. And I want to get your thoughts on that when we come back, okay? Yeah, let's do it. We're going off the rails. It's Rob Kendall with us here on The Hammer and Nigel
0: Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: We are back going off the rails with Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey show. He joins us here on Hammer and Nigel. So, Rob, yesterday before the Bob Knight news uh, came out late in the afternoon, early evening, the biggest story was that Donald Trump had endorsed Mike Braun in his gubernatorial race. But then the Bob Knight story dropped, and man, so did that story about Mike Braun.
1: Oh, it was just terrible timing for Braun because I think th- – I, th- I thought I saw the post from Trump. was like 5.41, and then I think the news about Knight started to leak out maybe a little after 7. So it's evening, so you're not getting a lot of bump out of it anyway. And then you've got like an hour and 15 minutes where you're the story. And then, of course, nobody's talking about it after that. So what should have been a huge thing for Braun largely got swept under the rug. Now, he'll get residual good out of it based on, you know, he'll be able to run ads endorsed by Donald Trump. Maybe Trump will cut an ad for him, et cetera. But in terms of the actual news cycle, he took what should have been the main story and he got basically nothing out of it. And so it's a big deal that he got the Trump endorsement, right? That is a huge deal? It totally helps him. Here is the thing, though. And if I were Chambers, who has infinite money, and I was Doden, who has infinite money, and I was Curtis, who's the primary rival to, to Braun, Donald Trump's endorsement does not explain why you voted for the largest tax increase in Indiana state history that goes up every year and harms people every year, which is the gas tax. No amount of endorsement or anything else. And if I were those guys, I would be running ads on a loop because the, you have huge leverage. Doden didn't vote to do it. Chambers didn't vote to do it. Curtis Hill didn't vote to do it. I would be putting all my resources into forcing Mike Braun to explain why he stands behind voting to raise the taxes more than on a single act than anything in state history, w- what benefit we've gotten out of it, and why we should trust him with taxpayer money. When he's a part of, when he's the governor. I mean, I, to me, it's a made-for thing, and and I don't care who endorses you. Cab Calloway could endorse you. D- you know, to me, it does, that That's doesn't matter. That's a
4: solid, solid reference First right there. Popped in my head Cab Calloway. I don't know. I don't know why. You know how my mind works. Well <laughs> many the Moocher. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, uh, got about a minute and a half left here with Rob Kendall. This is the last off the rails until the. Big election on Tuesday. Indianapolis mayor yeah. race. Yeah. Your thoughts as we head on into
1: election day? Well, look, I think Boss Hogsett's going to win. Shreve has done nothing to. Different, differentiates himself of substance. Now, from wait Hawksha- a minute. He yes. just came out with the property tax plan a couple days ago. Boy, it probably would have been a good idea <laughs> to do that. When you started your campaign! <laughs> I mean, what a great idea. The property tax thing is brilliant. It's a great idea. Why weren't you making that the central part of your campaign instead of going after law-abiding gun owners? Think if you would had four months to tell people how he will limit your property taxes. What a great narrative. What a great way to distinguish yourself. What a great way to define yourself in debates it doesn't matter now nobody wow. it seems like just a desperation ploy
4: somebody asked me the other day so what's the mayor's race in india about and my answer was well, a bunch of stuff that the mayor can't do. Yeah, I just, it, what <laughs> they pathetic. both want to do, you know, gun control, which a mayor can't do. You need state approval for. They're talking about abortion, which a mayor has no say on in the state of Indiana. It's a bunch of crap that honestly these guys agree on that they can't do.
1: Yeah, I just, look, it's these two guys have run pathetic campaigns, and I think Shreve's going to wake up the day after election and go, I wasted 20 million bucks on this. I mean, I don't know what the final number is going to be, but it's like it's what, what did you get for your money? Uh, you're just some guy who lost. I mean, maybe a win. I don't know, but I, do you? You're a Marion County resident. Do you see any enthusiasm for Shreve whatsoever? None. Yeah, zero.
4: What to... is coming up on your award-nominated program tomorrow? Well, I don't
1: know if you guys know, but I put Casey in charge of the show now, so she really dictates everything that oh. makes it on the template. So you uh, which is wh- her... what, why is this show so much better these days? You wash,
4: you
3: wash your hands clean. <laughs> yeah, of I just it, said, right? I just said just...
1: look, I'm going to be great no matter what you come up with. So uh, talking Notre gonna... Dame football yeah. for about three hours tomorrow. <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> yeah, no, Susan Beckwith will be with us. Remind your manners to make everybody a decent. More decent member of society. How about that for a tease? Special thanks to... Garage Doors of Indianapolis. He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall.
4: This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.